All right, welcome in. It is episode 102 here of the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast. Ethan's going to be joining us hopefully shortly. He had um, something come up, but he should be here. I better. Oh, there it is. There's the uh, there's the light. Forgot to turn that on before we started recording, but now it's. Nah, I'm not going to compare myself to Jesus. I can't go that far. Um, but we have. A loaded show today as uh, we have entered into November. It is we're recording this on Wednesday, November 1st. Um, it is currently the bottom of the fifth. The uh, Rangers and Diamondbacks are tied at deadlocked at 0-0. We might have a World Series champion when we uh, when everybody uh, listen hears this tomorrow. We might not. We will see here. It's uh pitcher's duel right now and oh looks like uh they were able the rangers were able to get out of a jam they had runners on second and third and get out of it in the end of fifth as the uh, rangers come up to bat to start the sixth but as uh baseball comes to an end college football nfl football starts heating up we've got our surprise disappointing told you so teams team recap of uh the nfl in week eight and then we have our team of the week for college football of week nine. And then we're going to look ahead a little bit, look to uh, week week 10 in college football and week nine in the NFL. And in North Dakota, North Dakota, South Dakota, we have a border battle. North Dakota State takes on South Dakota State in Brookings on Saturday. But there are some other big games going on in the state of North Dakota as the uh, state semi, it's state semifinal weekend. The Trinity Titans are playing, go get to go up to Velva um, and face the defending state champions on Saturday. So at the same time about NDSU and South Dakota State are tipping off. But so I won't even be able to really watch that game, but I will be, we'll be giving a preview here and hopefully be, uh, be able to watch the end after what hopefully is a celebratory bus ride home for the, for the Titans. Um, but Grant, I, I teased this earlier. I, I had quite the story that happened to me this morning at Walmart. Yes, yes. And I, I, I like you cannot make this up. <laughs> so okay. I'm I'm going to the bathroom, and you know how most urinals they are one side one's a little bit taller than the other one. Yeah. Yep, so yep. the guy walk. I'm I'm going. I'm kind of. Somewhat half asleep. I hadn't had enough coffee yet. Um, checking, looking at my phone, checking if my boss is listening. I'm checking work emails, and uh, that's what we're calling it these days. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm going, and this old guy—I don't know how old he was, older than me, probably or somewhere around my dad's age, which is six. It's hard to tell because hard to tell these days because there's a lot of people that look a lot older than they are and a lot younger than they hey, are. Just to be safe, and say a man 55 to 65? Probably, yeah, somewhere in there. And he he's going, he comes over and he's like, oh, and he's got to use the small, small urinal and goes, oh, man, man, mo most people got to get on their knees to use this one, but I got a big dick, so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> and it's absolutely incredible. It just, I, I, I'm going. It just stopped me. I was like, I don't, I, I, I don't. What, what am I supposed to say? Am I, am I supposed to ask? Let me see it. You know, like, 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 what do I like? 
What 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 like I I I I oh was not, not many times it happens. I'm I'm at a I was at a loss for words. I didn't know what to say. Well, dude, to your point, at that point, you just sit back and say, "Hey, can I admire this thing?" I mean, if it's as big as you make it out to be, I want to be impressed here. Yeah, exactly. I guess next time, if I'm put in that situation, I'm just gonna ask straight up, like, "Well, let me let, let's see what God gave you. Let's see if you have a baby arm or a third leg. I don't know." Oh man, maybe maybe the, hopefully that dude's name was Greg. So just like Greg Olson, he could be Greg with a third <laughs> leg. He could be oh. old Greg. Yeah, not not Fox Sports on Sunday, Greg. Um, old old Greg. Yeah. <laughs> but... Oh, dude, that's that's incredible. I mean, what time was this? Was it six thirty, seven thirty? It would have been about like seven thirty and seven thirty in the morning or so. So. Oh man, that that's a way to start the day, like you said. I mean, I'd be, I'd be on pins and needles the rest of the day. Like, what's the, and I that that would be so buried in the back of my mind. The next time I go to take a piss at walmart i'd be like is somebody gonna mention about his dick size next to me <laughs> <laughs> i you know you know it, that, that could probably go into one of those i i don't remember who did it but back in the day they would do the uh they do the people of walmart i gotta uh, find uh, who did that and i gotta write and send him that story <laughs> that was so good <laughs> and i remember you always had a joke about about that the shorter urinal too i can't remember what you always said but like, yeah, that know. one. That one we cannot. Uh, we we. I yeah. I know which joke you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we we'll, we'll we'll share. Well, I'll I'll remind you of it when we're done recording here. We don't okay. we don't need another reason to be canceled. So, you know, I've uh, I I I've I've spent. You know, I have the Swifties angry at me. I have the Mahomes army after me. Uh, been very active uh, about the uh, Michigan sign stealing. Um, witch hunt that has been going on. So I've got all the anti-Michigan people after me. You know, I'm I I might be the most hated man on the on the internet in North Dakota right now. Could be well, a thought. That, that's that's something that's something to not take for granted. I mean, if you can be the most hated man on the internet for any state, that means you're doing something right because you're pissing people off. And the point of the internet is to piss people off. Well. You know, some like with the Swifties, for example, it it's it's so easy. So the the stadiums that Taylor Swift plays at, obviously, they you know there's that huge that like where the way the stadiums are set up in the end zone, and then there's just a big empty empty space behind her or blank space behind her. There, I got my Taylor Swift reference in for in for the uh, in for the episode. Nice work. And, and so, you know, naturally me being the, the smart aleck that I am, you know, comment, wow, Taylor Swift can't even sell out arenas like Travis can. And people want to keep telling me that Travis is Taylor's the one carrying Travis in this relationship. I don't think so. And like, oh, well, she has it because nobody could see her from back there. I was like, it just sounds like an excuse to me. She, she She's clearly not as good as you guys say she is. And they just keep going in the... It's like I don't care. Like I'm I'm gonna keep saying more outlandish things until you figure out that I'm not a serious person. And you're gonna be saying they, they that. just get they get their blood pressure so riled up, like I think I should be getting some royalty checks as blood pressure medication in females goes up. Well, and I was gonna say you're gonna be fighting that battle a long time because that army that she has 
they are they are so out of touch with reality. I mean, she could she could kill a man, and they would justify her saying that it was it was okay. Um, she the, she she's the white OJ Simpson. She, she is like OJ Simpson. She has a bigger cult than anything Texas A and M has, and th- that university is a that's is a, a big cult. cult. It's a big cult. It's a cult. <laughs> man. That's not good if you're getting compared to Texas A&M, but, <laughs> and, 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 you know, since I guess that's somewhat of a good transition here because I was making notes for the show yesterday. We have a loaded college football slate on Saturday and, a, and another very good Sunday, you know, just to, to go that's over tough. and with it being November, you know, this is the it, separation Saturday starts for the next three weeks because everyone's fighting for positioning, trying to uh, clinch a spot or play for a spot in their conference title game, just to name a few. Um, You know, off the bat, Georgia-Mizzou. Missouri's only lost the one game to LSU, a game they should have. They were leading for most of the way and controlled most of it and ended up falling apart. That game is in Athens, and Georgia, Georgia last week decided, you know what, we've had enough of we can't win without Brock Bowers. And I think people just need to stop saying Georgia can't win because every time that comes up that Georgia's, oh, you know, I don't know, you, there, there's kind of some chinks in the armor, and then all of a sudden they go out and they win 52-3. to three. So that one, Washington-USC play, which bold statement here, and as we get into our previews, you know, we'll talk about it. I wouldn't be shocked if USC lo- doesn't win another game the rest of the year. I agree. Alabama, LSU, Kansas State, Texas. Uh, that was who I had in my uh, Big 12 championship game predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, the Big 10 West leading Minnesota Golden Gophers take on Illinois. Well, Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State played the last game of Bedlam in the Bedlam series. The last bet, which is a shame that that game is not played at night. It's 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 really a crime. Um, I mean that in LSU, Alabama are meant to be played when it's dark out. Like, yes, bed, there was a field. That's why they call it bedlam. Cause you bedlam. go, you're, you're going to be going to bed after the game. Yeah. There was just a feel in that stadium last in Memorial stadium. There was an energy. There was a buzz that you don't get when it kicks off at two 30. Yep. And, and you've been to it. So we'll have to listen to you. Tell more, more about it. Uh, mm-hmm. As we get into the uh, preview um, Iowa had another week where they were not in the able to uh, find their way to the end zone, but there might be some light at the end of the tunnel as it was announced that Brian Ferentz will not be returning as offensive coordinator next year. Will that prompt Grant to say, uh, say, go, co- uh, come back as the prodigal son and start calling them Iowa again? Grant? No. No? There's still work to be done on the field. Okay. There's still right. work to be done on the field, and he is still under contract for four games, possibly five if they get um, invited to a bowl game. And at six and one with the national brand that that team is, they probably will. So there's still work to be done. Um, it's not over. Um, but if they want me to, if they want to get the respect that um, they think I should give them, by saying their university's name, let's score some touchdowns and look capable on offense. So right now, no, but 
Saturday at Wrigley Field, things could change. So stay tuned. Which team are you talking about? Uh, the team with four letters. Four letters. Um, yeah, the state just south of Minnesota. Okay. I'm trying to think of other states that have four letters, and I can't. Dang well, it, I wish I was smart. There's Ohio. Ohio, yeah. But it's not them? It's not them, no. 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 What? Um, what capital is Des Moines? Which which capital is that the state of? Oh, the state that produces the most hogs in the country. Arkansas? No, no. Arkansas is not Little Rock. Fair. So, huh. you know, I don't called, know. It's called Dang the Hog State. But, um, I'm going to get you at some point. You just wait. Stay tuned, folks. Yep. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's go to let's since we've had enough of the uh, small talk. Heard my uh, my urinal story. We almost got Grant to say Iowa. We've talked some bedlam. Kind of gave a preview of what is to come in this week's college football. Let's go back a week to week eight in the NFL. We're gonna go surprise, disappointing, told you so teams, and in typical fashion, since Ethan is not with us right now, we're gonna go. Um, another week of him not getting the first pick. What a surprise. Here, so let, let's see here. We got the uh, Chiefs, Cowboys, and the uh, with the first pick of the uh, episode 102 draft, it is Grant. Hey, Grant again. Grant, 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 Grant. That makes me two. So, Grant, who is your surprise team? In week eight in the NFL. Oh, surprise team. We're taking a turn. Um, my surprise team is the team Dylan had as a wild card team. I was not confident in them. And I'm going with, uh, we're getting it back again to just one side of the ball, not necessarily a team, but the Tennessee Titans offense from this past Sunday. Uh, you know, Will Levis gets his first start. And I'm not going to lie, I was kind of a little a little worried for the Titans on there. I think for my ESPN pick them, I had the Falcons. I can't remember if they were, it was minus three and a half Atlanta or plus three and a half, but I felt confident the Falcons would win that game because when, when Ryan Tannehill was at quarterback this year for the Titans, their offense didn't have a pulse. And with Will Levis getting his first start, why would anything change? Well, I was wrong. Um, and, you know, Tennessee, they were able to finally take the top off the defense and get some explosive passing plays going here, you know, on Sunday. And Will Levis, he looked like the quarterback after his junior year at Kentucky. The kid who doesn't put mayonnaise in his coffee, but has an absolute yeah. rocket, who has an absolute rocket of an arm, you know, 19 to 29 for 238 yards and four tutties. Um, and more, most importantly, no, uh, you know, no interceptions you know, on Sunday. And then also, since they're able to get that passing game going, DeAndre Hopkins found the end zone three times. They're able to get Derrick Henry going. And I don't have the exact stats, but he rushed for 101 yards on Sunday. Anytime Derrick Henry rushes for over 100 yards, Tennessee's got a damn good shot at winning that football game. And yeah. who knows? Maybe it was just those big, beautiful powder blue uniforms that the Titans were wearing on Sunday. Maybe that just... Uh, and we're seeing a trend this year. You wear alternate throwback uniforms, you're usually going to play a damn good game. Um, so maybe the, the uniform gods had something to do with that. You know, look good, play good. Um, but 
you know, the Titans offense, they looked crisp. And who knows? Maybe after one game, they found their quarterback of the future. And maybe Will Levis' ex-girlfriend, Gio, was holding them back. Maybe Now that he's a single could man, be. he can focus on football. He doesn't worry about his TikTok, TikTok star girlfriend taking all the clout from him. Um, maybe he just had a heavy chain released from his body. And now, he, he, now he's all go. And he's going to find some beautiful woman down there on Broadway. Um, and if he does, God... Gotta find a... He should leave the Broadway girls alone, though. He should. He should. He should. But no one, uh, he's an athlete, you know, being 6'4", just a big, strong dude. He's probably not. God bless him. Someone's got to pick up those Broadway girls, and it's not going to be either of us, Dylan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, probably not. So good for Will Levis and good for this Tennessee Titans offense. That's my surprise team for this last week. Okay, well, yeah, and, you know, they found a passing attack. That's why they went out and signed DeAndre Hopkins. I thought Ryan Tannehill had a little bit more in the tank. I was wrong. And, you know, just stretch the field. And we're going to see we're going to see more if he can continue to reel those streaks together. They got Pittsburgh coming up who is going to be without tonight. Kenny Pickett tomorrow or yeah, tonight as this uh once this episode is um recorded. But I I think that's a winnable game and as Jacksonville has started to kind of pull away, pull away from this division, there is still a lot to play for. And with Mike Vrabel on your sideline, Derek Henry in a Oilers Titans uniform. Oh gosh. You can never, you can never count them out. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you know, what was a crazy, it, I, I saw a lot about the, uh, the Oilers uniforms, how they shouldn't be wearing them, but I don't think people understand that the Titans were, were the Oilers before they moved. And for a year, they were the Tennessee Oilers. But the funniest part about that is, is they were headquartered. Jeff Fisher told a story about this is how they were headquartered in Nashville. So they would practice in Nashville all week, but they didn't have a stadium there yet. So they would have to go to Memphis, which is a four or five hour drive, probably somewhere in there. I think it's closer to like two and a half because Nashville is kind of more North central um, Tennessee. And Memphis is on the western edge. If they had to go from like Knoxville to Memphis, that would be a hell of a bus ride. Okay, maybe it was then. But he, Jeff, uh, Jeff, but they would uh, leave, and he he would talk about how like they would get home before their wives, significant other woods, and have supper ready for them by the time they got back from Nash from Memphis over to Nashville. Oh, no kidding. Uh huh. Because they played at, I believe they played at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis that first okay. year, while the um, Nissan Stadium, whatever it was called, L- I think it was like LP Field for a while, something LP like that. LP Field for a long time, yeah. Yep, and uh, and that's that's where they would play. <laughs> I, I thought that story was pretty pretty interesting, but huh. my surprise team of the week is yep. I'm going to go with a team that I, I've been very critical this podcast as a whole has been critical of. We've been critical of the head coach. We've been critical of the quarterback and critical of the defense, which kept them in a lot of games last year. And Russell Wilson couldn't get them over the hump, but I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. Big win over the Can- Grants, Kansas City Chiefs. That uh-huh. The buck stops at 17. They're not going to get any more wins against the, uh, against the, uh, against the Chiefs, at least. That, that was where they put their foot down and said, no. 
17 times is enough. We're done. We're not losing to you guys an 18th time. Uh, defense forcing five turnovers and showed up, um, kept them out of the end zone. I don't, I mean, offensively, I mean, Denver didn't have to do a whole lot. It wasn't anything Denver did like that wowed you in this game. They just kind of took what, took what they gave them and gave them some, the uh, defense gave them some short fields able to, uh, and just move the ball. Got a couple of field goals. They didn't, and, and Denver missed, had a, had a blocked field goal. I believe they had an interception or two. Um, and but the Chiefs had five turnovers there, and they they didn't play well on special teams. They've that's been an area of concern for them because it seems like the last couple of weeks we've seen a handful of muff punts from them in the last two games, and that's got to be something they got to clear up because the defense, as good as they are, they they're going to break when they're having to be on the field. The chiefs, I think they are missing another receiver, but Denver tip your cap to them. And you know what? They're still, they're still somewhat in the hunt after Josh McDaniels has been fired. The chargers are, are going to charger. Uh-huh. And after that, as Sean Payton at the end of the day is still the second best coach in the division. And I, I trust Sean Payton a little bit, a, well, a lot more than I trust Brandon Staley and uh-huh. Antonio Pierce and Aiden O'Connell. So, you know, Broncos are still still in a in the playoff hunt and can't done chain them yet, but I will not uh they won't be done chained this week cuz they're my surprise team and hopefully the Chiefs can shake it off. Uh well, you know, very very well said there Taylor. And uh yeah, to your point. Thank you. Across an international flight to Germany. You know, this 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 next week to play to play the fast-paced Miami Dolphins in a Tyreek Hill revenge game, I may add. Um, with that, uh, you know, not to look ahead to that game, but if the Chiefs want to win, that front four on defense is going to have to dominate, and uh, they're they're going to have to get back to running the ball. All the times I was critical of them last year for trying to get too cute while they're trying to figure out these receivers, you know, let this interior three on this offensive line, let the two tackles, um. You know, Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor, let them go forward, let them maul people and get Pacheco going, get this play action game going and, uh, you know, try to earn out a win before this bye week. But, hey, you know, Andy and this team, they got to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I'm confident they will. So, um, you know, hey, it's the National Football League. Everybody has bad weeks. And, uh, you know, sometimes you lay an egg. You know, Sunday they laid an egg. But, um, like I said, 17 straight wins against a division opponent ain't too bad. Especially when the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs, Barack Obama was in office, and he still had a full year <laughs> before the presidential election in 2016. And we were we were all living together the last time it happened. I've Good it work. was one of the few t- it was one of the times I've I've seen Grant. I've never seen somebody more defeated in a depressed slouch state than that game after Jamal Charles fumbled and Denver runs it in. And I put put my all my eggs in that basket. And in that game, thinking that they were that was the year they were going to take over Denver and win that division. And you know what? They had they were up twenty four to seventeen in the fourth quarter, and that star studded defense needed to get one stop, and they they couldn't get to Manning. And then instead of taking the knee and going to overtime, Chiefs thought, hey, maybe we can get 10, 15 quick yards on a Jamal Charles draw play, and he puts the ball on the ground, and Denver scores, and it's like that's the game. That's the game. That's the game. And 
Let's go down to a disappointing team. And uh, I will, you know, since I gave Denver, uh, put Denver as my surprise team, I will not put the Chiefs as my disappointing team. But I'm going to go with a team that played the Vikings. And I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. There you go. Fun fact about the Packers this year's uh, um, about some Milwaukee teams is the uh, the Bucks season started last week, and they actually have had more wins in October than the Packers did. The Brewers, who got swept in the in the uh, wild card round, oh, and Texas has just uh, just taken the taken the lead uh, on a Mitch Garver single here. Uh, Evan Carter's on third, and Corey Seager scored. Uh, Corey Seager will get his second World Series MVP if this uh, if the uh, score holds. But back to the Packers, the uh, the Brewers won more games in October than the Packers did. Um, Jordan Love is not the answer. There's just he has some nice weapons. I don't. I think this is also coaching. This is the uh, the team team management, and we don't even have to go into the defense. Joe Barry just says here. Here, just uh, we'll just give you the first down. We'll just restart. He's he's the just give you the third down king, uh-huh. and I think Matt Lafleur just forgets that he has Aaron Jones and just does just like no, nah, I'm I'm gonna let my my rookie quarterback and let just let him throw it throw it around and I'm not gonna make his life easier. I'm just gonna and and just forget about my my tremendous running back that I have. You know, dude, this is something with Green Bay we all knew for the last five years. It was the Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams show. He was covering up all the ugliness that was Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur has never been a head coach, and he never will be a head coach. He was just some young guy who worked with McShay. Um, sorry, McVay? McVay and Shanahan. I was combining them together as one person. And Green Bay said, hey, we, <laughs> um, we, we still need an offensive mind. We need some young guy who can relate to Aaron um, because McCarthy wasn't the answer. So let's get this dude, even though he has no business being a head coach. And uh, – now it's showing their GM doesn't deserve to have a job. Um, and, you know, Dylan, I think both of you, you and I saw this coming this year, uh, you know, with Green Bay. It was, you know, after 30 great years, they deserve to have one bad season. And uh, it's here. And and two two Hall of Fame quarterbacks as well. And to only win two Super Bowls is, is an absolute failure on a, as an organizational level. And only get the three. Mm-hmm. Only get to three. Just embarrassing. But, uh, you know, my disappointing team is kind of, kind of a team I've been high on this year. You know, they were coming off their bye. They were three and three. They were going into the worst team in the NFL record-wise. And they let them get their first win of the year, that being the Houston Texans. Uh, you know, big win against Pittsburgh. I actually had, I actually had the Panthers as one of my surprise teams. Okay. Uh, just based off, uh, you know, picking them because you know what? Good for Bryce Young. Good for Frank Reich. We, we've criticized them a handful of times on here. I believe not too long ago they were my told you so or told you so team because I didn't trust Frank Reich. But, you know, Bryce Young proved why he was the number one pick in the draft on that game winning drive. He looked he was poised and in control mm-hmm. all game. And then when crunch time and winning time came around, he was there and delivered. And, and I think also Bryce showed that he, he's – I think he's going to be a good pro. He just needs an offensive line in front of him, and he needs a better receivers on the outside not named Adam Thielen. Um, and, you know, because all in all, like I said, the Texans are coming off their bye. 
Um, you know, they're three and three. C.J. Stroud is looking like an absolute stud. You know, he didn't play bad on Sunday, but he's only 16 and 24 for 140 yards. That's that's not going to cut it in the National Football League. I understand he didn't have any interceptions, no turnovers, no fumbles, but he also didn't throw any touchdowns. Um, you know, that game manager style, it's, it's not going to cut it. And, you know, people are like, oh, they had 110 yards on the ground on 30 attempts. You know, barely over three yards in attempt. That's just, that's, that's not going to do it. And like I mentioned, Adam Thielen, he's the only weapon for Carolina. You let him go for eight receptions for 72 yards. Um, and I, again, I know you, you get to Bryce Young six times, but still, of those six sacks, you don't put the ball on the ground once. Um, you don't cause a fumble. You don't get an interception. You know, I almost kind of felt like Houston, they showed their youth in this game. And I think they're going to do that the rest of this year. They're going to have one week where they're really good and one week where they're really bad. And you're like, yeah, they're still young. But, you know, coming off a of bye, I, I really thought they were going to be focused and get to four and three. Um, but they didn't. And there's going to be no Ofer team in the NFL this year. Um, but, yeah, the Houston Texans are my disappointing team. Yeah, and, you know, I think also, too, with, with that is, is a rookie – Rookie head coach coming off a bye, you're not really sure. You know, you've been, yep. you've done it as a coordinator. You know, maybe you have all that time to sit there and you think and you you over prepare. You know that you you see that a lot with coaches. You see that Sean McVay's it's football. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Where the, these football guys that that's that's all they do is live and breathe yep. football. Is they lock themselves in their office and think of ways like they they outsmart themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and with being a young coach, that's something you, you take, you, you, you admit, yep, I screwed up guys. I, this was in a good coaching effort. This one is on us. We're going to change. We're going to move, do some different things here. We're not going to try to change some things up here where it's not where maybe we're going to do simplify some things, make it easier. So you guys aren't out there thinking as much. Uh-huh. And, you know, another thing I had in my notes, like we said, we knew Carolina only had Adam Thielen as a weapon. If that's the case, you should be double-teaming that guy off the bus. Like, as soon as he got out of his nice car in the parking lot, boom, there's two dudes on him. He goes to the, he gets a drink before the game. There's two dudes on him. Dylan talked about his urinal story. Adam Thielen's got a pee before the game. There's two dudes surrounding him right there. He should. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, do you think he's going on a trough? Adam Thielen is definitely going on a trough. If he's from Detroit Lakes, he's he, he's troughing it up. Um, Absolutely. He, he, he went he went to the old Metrodome as a kid. Um, he he's a big trough guy, and and he went to school in Mankato. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is this is a pro trough podcast. So if there's any guests on here that is anti, says says their future potential guest says that. Well, yeah, I'm not a, not a trough guy. You, okay, you're not coming on. That 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 was, you know, those were such a staple and such a part of people's lives that when the metronome was tore down, you could buy troughs from the metronome. <laughs> and also a reason why I I will not completely dump on crap on the Cubs all the time either, because Wrigley Field Wrigley still has troughs. Okay. And Grant, you could have went down and used them when um, Northwestern. Who does Northwestern play? Uh, that team, uh, that team with four letters, who's the, two, uh, who's the two-time Big Ten West champion and uh, is Ofer against the state of Michigan in Big Ten title games. 
Okay, well, shoot. I'm I'm gonna keep going, but Well, it's actually my turn. But Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'll 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 do a, do 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 the little run through here, but yeah, go down to uh Told you so team of the week, Grant. Who 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 do you have telling us where you were saying, "Yep, I was right." Um, that would be the team that my preseason MVP played for in the Cincinnati Bengals. That team yep. on Sunday looked sharp. That looked like the team from last December who was humming. They um, that went into Arrowhead confident that they could get back to their second Super Bowl in as many years. The team was beating the Chiefs three of their last four times. And Joe Burrow just looked that he looked like that cold-blooded killer that we're used to seeing with him. It looked like that calf was healed up. He felt mobile, and they were just they were just humming. I mean, on Sunday, Joe Burrow, 28 of 32 for 283 yards and three touchdowns uh, against San Francisco in that building. You know, and you got and I, I thought San Francisco's defense was going to put up a big fight after the, the last two road losses. You get back home in front of them crazy Niners fans. You know, you got your bye coming up in a couple weeks. And Joe Burrow went in and just, he was cool as a cucumber. And, you know, sure, he was sacked three times. You play the Niners, guess what? You're going to give up three to four sacks. It is what it is, but it didn't affect him. And then as a team, uh, 27 rushing attempts for 134 yards. But I think more importantly, they got Joe Mixon going. 16 carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown. You know, this Bengals team, they look primed. They look ready to hunt for the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, the underrated, most underrated aspect of that team is their defense. Lou Amarillo, it's just he has them humming. He has them playing fundamentally sound. They attack the quarterback. Two sacks, three turnovers on Sunday. That huge interception by was it Pratt when the Niners were in the end zone looking to, looking to tie the game. You know, Cincinnati, they, they looked like the kings of the AFC North on Sunday. And speaking of that division, that division is going to be fun to watch the rest of the year. Baltimore's humming. Cleveland's got a good defense. Um, will their quarterback ever want to figure it out? Pittsburgh's offense is struggling, and they look like that four-letter team in college, but that defense is going to keep them in games. Man, the AFC North is going to be fun, and for, at least for this last week, Cincinnati, Cincinnati had me saying, I told you all, folks, this team's for real. Yeah. Well, and you, and you mentioned it, Joe Mixon. He, I think he ran for, what, 80, you said 87 yards. 87. And I actually had them as my, my surprise team because – yeah. Because of that, they they actually had some balance on offense. And <laughs> when Joe Burrow got out of those two sacks, it was like, oh, the old Burrow is back. Looks and, like twenty one. You know, Arrowhead Joe Burrow. And and credit to credit to Zach Taylor. And we we are very and we're we're a very bipolar Zach Taylor podcast where we love him one week and then we dump on him the next week. There there's no in between. <laughs> but. No. You know, for him sitting down and realizing, hey, we don't have to put all this pressure on Joe Burrow. We have a good running game. We we have a, on paper, we have good names on the offensive line. Let's go. Let's get them running downhill. Let's take some pressure off where they don't have to be in pass pro all the time and keep them off balance and not so one-dimensional. So if we did a, if we had to give a, uh, I don't know if we, how what would be a good, Good award for coach of the week if we were to have one, but it, it would have to be with Zach Taylor. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think this week it's hard to it's hard to argue that. I mean, um, I'm I'm trying to think of any other coach. I, you know, maybe 
you mentioned Sean Payton in Denver, but it was more or less just the self-inflicted wounds that Kansas City um, did to themselves, you know, that day. Um, you know, the Eagles weren't um, – you could give it – if there was a, a court award for one quarter, you could give it to Kevin O'Connell for keeping the Vikings balanced in the fourth after the Kirk injury. Um, oh, okay, can we, we can talk about this is – I, did you find yourself yelling at the TV a few times watching that game because of the amount of times you were having Jaron Hall drop back and throw the ball while they were up two possessions? You know, I, honestly, dude, I think just KOC was trying to get his young quarterback some confidence, knowing that and, – and also he knew how inept that Green Bay offense was. So he's saying this. He's like, okay, you know what? Let's get him some confidence going here in the next week in Atlanta. Let's get him some drop backs against, you know, a good defense there in Green Bay, see some live bullets. Um, and we know, you know what? Hey, if something happens, this Green Bay offense is inept and they're not going to score. So I, I think that was just KOC trying to just give his young quarterback a little confidence. And he delivered. He delivered on some huge third downs. He mm-hmm. they didn't get the they didn't get the first down, but they were able to get a complete a pass that got them out of their own end zone where they it wasn't the punter didn't have to punt from with his feet with his heels on the uh on the whites yeah um but yeah and i i don't know what this season's going to bring i i i you know we talked about it a little bit in the group chat i liked what i liked what the uh i like them trading for dobbs we the i mean he he was the guy plays hard He's a smart guy. He and and he's gonna be playing with a much better, a better coach, a better offensive line, better weapons on the outside. T.J. Hawkinson, and and the offensive line or and and the running game has seemed to have it's somewhat of somewhat of a pulse coming around with with Cam a- with Cam a- with the addition of Cam Akers. So this season isn't completely lost. Um, you know, you wish all the best for Kirk Cousins because he's he was playing at an MVP level uh-huh. and just sucks that his season had to end this way. And hopefully that is not the last time he play. He is in a uh, we we see him in a Vikings uniform because I think there is a pretty good argument to be made that he he might. Well, especially of our generation, he's the greatest Vikings quarterback and might be the greatest Vikings quarterback ever. He's up there with Fran Tarkington. Um, neither of them won, won a Super Bowl while playing for Minnesota, but I, I think you 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 have to have him in the conversation, especially because of durability, longevity. Hmm. That you have they haven't seen that since Fran Tarkington was was the quarterback, and that was yeah. when our parents were kids younger than us right now at this point (laughs) no that was that was 50 years ago 60 50 60 years ago yeah that's that's crazy but uh my my told you so team of the week here is going to be we're going up to the pacific northwest now i thought seattle was going to jump out to a hot start i like the way their schedule their schedule set up i thought the 49ers were going going to uh to kind of come out with a little bit of a sluggish start, hangover from the NFC Championship game. There were questions about Brock Purdy um, with his health. And I had questions about Brock Purdy myself, which are still are still out there and people are kind of coming to the light of, 
you know, what's it like when his back against the wall, when it becomes a drop back, drop back pass game and he has not looked great in those moments, but Seattle, you know, they've quietly just kind of kept, kept winning games, playing really good, complimentary, fundamentally sound football. They escaped the escape, the Browns, which, um, is going to be a problem. They're going to ruin some teams seasons or cost the team some playoff opportunities, even with, with or without Deshaun Watson. And, and frankly, number num, money wise aside, you, 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 you almost want to stick with PJ Walker because the offense looks a lot better than what it did under Deshaun Watson. Well, but it, lo- it the, looks like the offense Kevin Stefanski wants to run. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't look like a quarterback is pissed off that he has to play under center and he wants to do a power running game. I think Kevin feels a little more free calling plays, knowing that he's got a quarterback on his side. Yep. And, and they've just, like I said, they've quietly just held steady. And now look, look at them. Now they are the, they are first in the NFC West. That they are. I will still say this. I will die on this hill. They just traded for Leonard Williams. They gave up a second and a fifth round pick, and they got to take his contract on. Devin Witherspoon, he had that great Monday night game. And, you know, I love, I know Pete Carroll loves to have a long, lengthy, lengthy, um, fast secondary. They still could have had Jalen Carter. There are multiple teams who are going to regret passing on this dude. Um, where if they would have drafted him, they wouldn't have needed Le- um, Leonard Williams. And they still could have had a second and a fifth next year. Um, if I'm Pete Carroll, I trust my locker room. I trust the culture we've built in Seattle where we're going to keep Jalen's head on straight. And, you know, hey, could, I could be, Witherspoon could be a Hall of Famer someday, and I could be eating crow, but I will say this till the day I die. Them <laughs> and the Detroit Lions could have had Jalen Carter, but they both passed. And the Chicago Bears. They could have. They could have. And I think the other – I think why – Seattle made that trade also is because they have the cap space where because they, they aren't paying a quarterback. Geno's not True. in that top tier True. of top paid quarterback. So they can go and say and, they can take know, on that contract and, and not, DK. not really have to worry about it because I don't I think they, they still got two two or three more good years out out of Geno, especially the way they play and the weapons yeah. around them, the running game. Yeah. In Seattle, it, it, it's a it's just a really good it's it's a great roster. Yeah, um, oh, is it, is it Schneider? John Schneider, right? Yep. Yeah, he's done a hell of a job building this team twice. Um, you know, you could argue two or three times. The first Super Bowl, then the years after that where they were a consistent, a wild card, to divisional round team. And then, you know, kind of a soft rebuild where they get rid of Rust, but they make the playoffs last year. They And he does such a nice job getting players that Pete wants. Players that fit the system that Pete and his coaches want to run players that fit their organization, fit their culture. So hell of a job to John Schneider building this team, you know, shout out to him. Yeah. And let's go, let's go down to the college ranks here. Recap week nine in, in college football here, our team of the week here, and I'm, I'm up. So I'm going to go with the team I had in my game of the week. It's going to be the Georgia Bulldogs. They shut me up. They silenced any questions any of us had. Carson Beck is a, is a dark horse Heisman candidate right now. It just quietly put together the offense. Um, you know, look what the questions of what the offense was going to look like without Brock Bowers. They just go out and they put up 43 points. Lad McConkey 
Um, he finally looks healthy. Dominic, Dominic Lovett is also kind of settled in as that other reliable pass catcher. And, you know, with that defense, you just don't make mistakes. You don't put them, put any pressure on them. You don't lose, lose the game. George, George is going to keep finding ways to pull, pull it out. And, you know, like I said earlier in the preamble talk that this is a team that we just need to stop talking about the Georgia Bulldogs because at some point going to catch them lacking and I'm hoping, and yeah, I'm not going to get in, get, get into that, but Georgia is my team of the week. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying there. Um, but, uh, you know, my team of the week also was from my game of the week. And fun fact for you, their head coach has ties to the University of Georgia, being that he was the defensive coordinator for the 2021 national championship. And that would be the Oregon Ducks. They came out after, you know, a tough, tough loss a couple of weeks before to Washington and their, their first road game after that. And they absolutely rolled over Utah. That game, that game was over after the first two possessions. Oregon gets up fourteen zero, and you're like, "Yep, it's just it's just their day." And you know, on offense, Bo Nix was crisp. He was what? What have my notes here? He was twenty four thirty one, two forty eight, and three touchdowns. Um, and then on the the rushing side of the offensive attack, they ran one hundred twenty seven times for one hundred forty two yards and three touchdowns, two sacks on defense, two interceptions. But more importantly, they held Utah to 99 yards on the ground. Okay, yeah, that's almost 100 yards, but it was on 36 carries. 2.75 yards of play, uh, uh, play uh, on the ground for Utah. Um, when Utah, when they can't run the ball this year, they're going to lose. They're going to lose a lot of games. In Oregon, they just they looked like they're still probably the best or the second best team in the Pac-12, and they're a college football playoff dark horse. Not a dark horse. They're still in it. They went out, they beat USC, they beat Oregon State, they beat Washington. They're in. They're they're in the dance and they just they dominated last week. And to go into a tough place in Salt Lake City and do what they did, you know, props to Oregon. So they're they're my team of the week. Yeah, well, and they also broke a winning streak that went back to pre COVID. They they and they just said, We don't care about your win streak. We're we're just gonna take it. We're gonna end it. And mm-hmm. I, I will go out and say that I think after after the Oregon-Washington game, you look at what these two teams have done since then, I'm going to go out and say Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12 right now. I think they are the favorite. I think if there's a rematch, I think Oregon wins. I and I'm going to go based off, I'm and especially in big games, I I will always lean a team with with the better defense. And I like Oregon's defense a lot more than I like Washington's defense, but Oregon is, and Oregon, Georgia, Dan Lanning is building, building a Georgia out in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Strong dudes up front. A lot of defensive linemen from, remember last year after Georgia and Oregon played week one, Kirby Smart went on the record at his press conference and said, <laughs> Dan Lanning, thanks. You did a hell of a job um, recruiting this team and building this defense. Um, you got your- <laughs> by your players <laughs> yeah <laughs> they did and he and i mean that that could have been just a bad omen for him but they just went to work and you know almost you know, almost made it to the pac-12 championship game but they are sitting pretty to make it this year but 
And I tell you what, man, there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten who are like, really, this team's coming into our conference right now, next year. There's only yeah. two teams who I can, who I feel are confident where they're like, Oregon, yeah, we can play with them. And that's Michigan and Ohio State. Every other team in the yep. is like, you've got to be kidding me. Really? These guys? Um, so the Big Ten ain't ready for what Oregon's about to bring next year. No. And uh, let's go down to the uh, – let's go back. That, that, uh, that is our – ends the uh, recap portion of, of the show here. Let's go – let's jump into the preview edition of, of the podcast here. We're going to go to back up to the NFL. NFL Week 9, Game of the Week here. So, Grant, you're up. Who, who is in your Week 9 Game of the Week? Oh, dude, there's – so many to pick from and i had three in my notes um thinking that there's a chance that you guys steal this but i steal with one one of these other two that i had but you know what i'm going with a game it's sunday night both teams aren't in first place in their division they need a big win against a conference opponent i'm going cincinnati and buffalo you know rematch from last year's last year's playoff game this game will be in Cincinnati on Sunday night. Um, like I said, the Dolphins are leading the AFC East. Baltimore's atop the um, the AFC North. These two teams, not only do they need to win to stay within their division race, but potential um, seeding implications down the road if they were to have to meet again in January, or who knows, depending on how tough the AFC is. One team making the playoffs, one team not making the playoffs. And, you know, these teams, they've seen each other a lot. Well, I guess just, just two times last year, so they, they know each other. Well, they feel- not, not really twice, because this is also the, the, DeMar, the game DeMar Hamlin collapsed. So there's also some added, yeah, some, some added buzz around that game because yeah. of, of what happened. In that same stadium where, you know, where DeMar suffered that cardiac arrest. But being that they prepared for each other two times within, I think, a four-week span last year. You get a feel that this is going to be a budding rivalry here in the future. Two young quarterbacks in Mahomes, um, not Mahomes, and Burrow and Allen. Um, you know, just it's it's this is what Sunday night November is all about. It's football in the state of Ohio against against Buffalo, it's the Bengals. Um, at Sunday night when they play, either the Chiefs or the Dolphins are going to be seven and two. And you you got to keep pace with those teams. The Dolphins and Bills still got to play twice this year. Um, the Chiefs still have to play both the Bengals and and the Bills. So I'm just I'm just excited for this game because the real football starts and Sunday night. What better way to end a weekend than these two teams playing on Sunday night? Absolutely, I I, I like the fact that you said it was a it was a budding budding rivalry. The Bengals offensive line is going to see another tough test with the the Bills pass rush. Yeah. After that, I there there isn't a whole lot on that Bills defense. There's not a whole lot left because of injuries, unfortunately. But they did trade for Rosal Douglas and see if he's able to help on that back end. But it, this was also a game that I had in my notes, Grant, as a game of the week. But I think we all know where I'm going with with my game of the week, and it's a battle for first place in the NFC East. Oh yeah. Not technically, not really, because the Eagles haven't had a bye. Dallas has, but. With a win, Dallas can pull pull it pull to even and be in be in the driver's seat 
I would say that I say, say this would put the winner in the driver's seat. They would both be both have two losses and, and still have to play out. But if Dallas is able to go into Philly and get a win, they have to be the favorite at that point to win the East. And, you know, keys to the game here for, for Dallas, especially is, is they cannot be conservative. It seems like all the times in these big games, you go back to the, you go back to the San Fran, the last two San Francisco games where they Mike McCarthy just gets plays not to lose. They play too conservative and they end up having to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns. And they forget that CD lamb is not on the roster, but that was also what I had in is, Find CD, find him early and often, keep him engaged in the game. They got to be able to use him, use the pass to open up the run because I think there are some holes on this Philly defense. Uh, the the back end is not not what it used to be, and I think there there's going to be some some big plays available there. Um, Michael Gallup, I would like to see get get utilized and you know build off of what what they did against the Rams last week where. They were aggressive. They were they were cautiously aggressive in the red zone where they were and they able to come away to get points. Jake Ferguson has developed into a really nice tight end. Uh, helps makes wonders when he actually has a quarterback who can get him the ball. And like when he was in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. but you know I I want to see Mike McCarthy open up the playbook a little bit more on offense because they can't they can't settle for field goals because. On, on the opposite side, they've got that offensive line. It's one of the best offensive line. They've got tremendous weapons on the back end and AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. There's really no holes, holes there, but yeah. Jalen hurts is dinged up and Dallas has a tremendous pass rush. They need to get after him. They need to hit him on every single play, find a way to make hit him, make his life miserable and see, see if how much he can run because Watching him against Washington and then against against uh, Miami the week before, he's clearly not himself. He's clearly not a hundred percent. And if you're able to hit him early, hit him often, I think he's going to get be a little bit timid. He's going to try to rush some things and and give Dallas some opportunities uh, there to force some turnovers. You know, one one thing I'd like to see if I'm if I'm a Dallas fan in this game, Dylan, is this. I want to see Dan Quinn design some pressure schemes where it's more five men front. I'm not saying you have to bring five men, but put someone over Jason Kelsey. So you at least have an advantage where if let's say I put Micah Parsons rushing against um, Philadelphia's right guard, I Tim Jerkins is hurt. I don't Oh, Cam Jerkins. He's hurt. I don't know if he's going to play or if he's been back, but Lane Johnson it, still has a high ankle sprain. As a high ankle sprain, give me a one-on-one matchup right away. Put Micah. I want to put Micah inside. Again, rush against that right guard. You bring your other linebacker down. Put him in front of Kelsey. So for that quick sec- second off the snap, he can't go over and double team someone right away. Because with Jalen, even if he rushes back in coverage for that split second, Jason's got to worry. Hey, there's a guy in front of me. He might come. So then you know what? You can get a good rush inside. And with Jalen being an athlete, um. Put the pressure in his face. Um, don't just don't run by him, but keep that pressure in his face to slow him down. So if I'm a Dallas fan, I want to see Dan Quinn do a little more exotic things to try to get this um, this pressure to Jalen because he's also shown this year he'll throw you some interceptions. Yep. Uh, un, un, unlike last year, so 
Um, I'm with you. I'm excited for this game. We got a hell of a window on Sunday. You know, Chiefs and Dolphins in yep. the morning. The Vikings play the Falcons at noon. Take a nap during that game. Cowboys Eagles, and then you get a quick dinner. Uh, Cincinnati Buffalo. Nice. I got That's nice. Jordan? I got you. Okay. Oh, no, we're back. Okay, yep. now it says it. I'm... What in the world? Okay, so we're back. Yep. Except, well, it says I'm connected, but now I can't connect my mic back, so. Well, son of a gun. I can mute, mute while recording, but I can't switch mics. All right, sweet. So. Fun. Can you hear me? Sure can. All right. Well, so my 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 college football game of the week here is huh. I'm gonna roll with I'm gonna go down to the the SEC Alabama LSU because this game is always a classic. Oh God, yeah. This is a the SEC West Championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, both teams. LSU coming in with two with two losses already. I still think there there is a potentially a path for them to to make the college football playoff. They're gonna, it's a tall task. They're going to have to win out, but there is a way I think they could sneak in. Um, Alabama with the only one loss to Texas, they're still in the driver's seat, still lead the West. But whoever wins this is is going to Atlanta to face the Bulldogs. Um, yep. This game I think is going to come down to quarterback. Jalen Milrow versus Jaden Daniels. Who who makes the big play? Who can avoid the big turnover? Both of them are home run, strikeout type of quarterbacks. Uh-huh. And right now, and Al- Alabama actually impressed me a heck of a lot when they beat uh, Tennessee last week, when they, two weeks ago, when they were down 20-7, to seven and they come back and score, and score 27 unanswered points to win 34-20. to 20. Um, that answered a lot of questions. I, the the receivers seem to be coming along. The running game seems to be coming along. And as long as Jalen Milrow can avoid that turnover, I I like Alabama just because they're at home. And I also, at the end of the day, in these and like I said with with the uh, Oregon Washington games, um, if there was a rematch, I think the I I trust Alabama's defense more than I trust LSU's defense. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I think Jaden McDaniel's, uh, Jaden Daniels, excuse me, is is good for an interception or two, and this Alabama defense will capitalize off that. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of talked about this game earlier today, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Bedlam again because both teams. It's the last Bedlam game. The game is in Stillwater. We all know how Mike Gundy feels about the University of Oklahoma right now. It's pure hatred. He, oh, can't, yeah. he can't stand those assholes there, Norman. And after last year's absolute shellacking that the Sooners gave, I think the Cowboys are going to be ready to play. Um, Boone Pickens Stadium is going to be absolutely electric. There's going to be so much you know, hostility in the air. But what's interesting is this, is both teams are 4-1 and one in the Big, Big 12 play. You know, they play each other on Saturday. Winner goes to 5-1. and one. Oklahoma has already played Texas. They've already played Kansas. Um, I, they, I think they, they have BYU, Houston, and someone else left. Very they not Kansas State? I don't believe, no, they don't have Kansas State 
left for Oklahoma when I checked earlier. Oklahoma State, listen to this, Dylan. They've already played Kansas State. They've already played Iowa State. And they've already played Oklahoma. They don't have to play Texas the rest of this year. Oh, After this game, Oklahoma State has a th- three new teams in the Big 12. they got BYU, Houston, and UCF. So, realistically, the winner the winner of this game has a very great opportunity to win out, get to seven and one or um, eight and one in conference play, and book a trip to Dallas. So, not only is this the last bedlam game of the year, um, or that we might ever have, how does Oklahoma respond after that loss to? Um, I don't know if their star linebacker is going to play or not. They clearly missed him last week in the second half when he got hurt. So. It, this that, there's so many implications in this game, and you just you just never know what's going to happen in Bedlam. So this this you know Oklahoma Oklahoma State's my game of the week. Yeah, that was that was one I had down. Um, the other one I had was Washington USC. Yeah, and and well, we'll we'll talk about this one a little bit. This is an elimination game for the Trojans. They Absolutely. they lost to Notre Dame. They I mean they they should have lost. Could have lost to Cal. They could have lost to Arizona. Um, yep. The defense is nowhere to be found. It, it, it's one, you know, there's questions. People are saying Caleb Williams shouldn't shouldn't play the rest of the year. He's not going to win the Heisman. He's not going to win the national title. But you can still, they can still salvage this season. But I don't mm-hmm. know if I trust their defense. But I actually think this matchup is favorable to USC because why I I didn't like Washington's defense a whole heck of a lot either. I don't think they're that good. Um, so I think I think USC is going to be able to go pound for pound with them. Are they going to be able to turn get a turn Michael Penix over? Are they able to get stops when they have to? Um, I don't I don't know. I I still think Washington in the end is going to win out because I think their defense is going to be able to get a couple of stops, and I think they'll be able to run the ball and kind of keep it away, get a lead and keep it away from USC, but. Looking at the rest of USC's schedule here is there's a good argument that they go set they they finish the year seven and five seven because five. this week they go up to Oregon into Otson and play the Ducks. They're gonna lose that game. They're gonna lose that game, and then I I, I think UCLA is just a bad matchup for them because the way UCLA runs the ball, Chip yep. Kelly has figured out after his stints in the NFL that we have to play defense, so he's built a pretty solid defense down in down in Westwood. So I, there, there is an argument to be made that USC finishes the year seven and five and Lincoln Riley is the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh my God. If, if the Las Vegas Raiders hire him, they are just setting themselves back up because it's Cliff Kingsbury's two point. Kingsbury's his offensive coordinator. Co- correct. He will, he will start off good. They will fall apart. And then there will be no leadership. There's no stability. You watch Cliff Kingsbury last year in hard knocks. He doesn't hold anyone accountable. There's no leadership for this practice. There's no culture. There's nothing. There's there's just nothing there. So that would be hilarious if the Las Vegas Raiders did that. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's a chance to Washington can win this game by two two possessions. Um, I, yeah. just, I just I think USC's defense is so bad. And Michael Penix is playing for a Heisman Trophy right now in a spot in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, I just, I just feel like the the wheels are kind of falling off this USC team this year. Um, 
I guess I, I'm not sure. It's gonna it's gonna be a whale of a game. I'm gonna have this in the Alabama and LSU game on two screens, um, since they're playing at the same time. So, you know that's that's gonna be a good game, and it's it's gonna be an interesting one. We'll say this if USC loses. Yeah, absolutely. And well, uh, that uh, that wraps up the uh, the FBS NFL talk here, but. Before we uh before we get to curveball of the week, which I have, um, Dakota Markovic, you gotta gotta preview that, and you know this is a little bit of some unfamiliar territory for for the Bison as you know they have come in the last few years of where well, they've lost four straight Dakota Marker games, five in total, um, with the uh, with the national championship uh, game loss. You know, South Dakota State is eleven and a half point favorites. Well, the last line I, I saw, um, they're they're by far and away the best team in college football this year. They they do not have many weaknesses at all. This is a tall task for the Bison. Um, some keys to the game offensively: no turnovers. They cannot have any turnovers. They cannot turn the ball over in this game, which has cost them. In the in previous matchups, um, going back just as in the last two, for example, is you know the first game they had after they called Cam Miller for unsportsmanlike conduct. The next play, Cole Payton goes and throws an INT, and they just snowballs. And then the second game, both times when they had the next time they had momentum, the defense goes and gets a stop. Offense is driving. Kobe Johnson fumbles the ball. South Dakota State goes down and scores. The rest is history. Um, I think they're going to need to find something in the run game other than other than the quarterbacks. They got to find ways to um for Barika Penu, uh, Tamaric Williams, got uh TK Marshall. They need to run the ball and be effective. They need to, you know, control the clock. They need to go on one of those long 8-9 minute vintage Bison drives that has made them turn made NDSU what they've been the last 11 years. And um, when when they get down into the red zone, because I do think they're going to be able to move the ball against South Dakota State, they can't settle for field goals. They gotta fi- they gotta come away with with punching it in the end zone. They gotta get touchdowns. Um, and then over on the defensive side, they need to force turnovers. The lot in in this win streak that South Dakota State's been on. Do you know how many turnovers the Bison have forced in those games, Grant? Zero. 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 They cannot. You 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 can't do that against South Dakota State. You have to find ways to force some turnovers, get Mark Gronowski under pressure. Um, they're going to be down Will Moster, who blew his Achilles on the defensive line. Um, find find somehow some way to make them one-dimensional and shut down the run um, and see it, see it what Mark Gronowski's like as a drop-back passer. Because uh-huh. He hasn't been put in those tough spots a whole lot. Um, the other thing is win first and second down, something they have not done in games they've lost. They didn't do it in the UND game. They didn't do it against South Dakota in that loss. Um, and then going back to South Dakota State in the national title game, they could not get off the field on third down. That's something they have to do to even have a shot. Um, like I said, it's a tall task. Nobody thinks they're going to be able to win. But I think that's the most dangerous NDSU team, though, is, is a team where they – are the underdog. Nobody believes they can win. Can they go into Brookings and get a win? It's going to be tough to say, but, and it's not an indictment of 
NDSU, I still think NDSU is a solid team, and they've got the work cut out for them even to make the playoffs this year. But um, if they win, if they lose this game, they're probably going to have to win their next two to make sure they solidify and not have to sweat out select Sunday. Uh-huh. But that's our NDSU SDSU preview. I, like I said, I'll be be up in Velvo coaching coaching in the uh, semifinals, so I won't be able to do a recap of the game. Hopefully, be able to catch the end of it, and hopefully, it is a game by the uh, by the time our game is over, so I can can watch it and hopefully cheer on a uh, Bison victory and get the uh, Dakota marker back where it belongs in Fargo. So with that, we're gonna that we're gonna go over to Curveball of the Week, and I have this one, and I was kind of sitting here thinking about it. And I, I came up with this. Now, Grant, what is a fashion trend that you wish would become popular again? Oh, dude, I think I think this is easy. We're coming to that time of the year. Um, I I want the big puffy starter jackets back in. Which I, I think they are slowly making a, making a comeback. They are. You see, you're seeing them a little bit more now. I think if you go into like those. Not so much in Dickinson per se, but I think where we go like up to the cities where you are, I think you're going to see it a lot more. You mm-hmm. see a lot of the uh, the bomber jackets that have made be- become a lot more popular. Yes, but yeah, dude, I just it's that time of the year. It's getting cold outside. I want that big puffy, that big puffy coat on that metal zipper, um, the oversized the oversized hood. You can't move in your car because the jacket is so big. You got your sweatshirt. And your four layers on underneath it, it stops at your at your waist, so it doesn't it doesn't go below your ass. So sure, your ass is cold, and it's halfway up your back when you're sitting in your car. But man, just just if we could just if we could bring back those starter jackets, dude. Um, I feel I feel like we would be in a better place in society. <laughs> That's a good one. And man, when you started saying that, I really was sweating it out. Like this guy is not going to take mine. He can't take mine, and and you didn't. Because okay. What I'm I'm saying, what we bring back is the grouchies, the gray on gray, like this. Oh yeah, okay. Gray on gray needs to make a comeback. It's it's comfortable. It seems like all the hoodies I have are gray. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and gray sweatpants, comfortable. Um, and I don't know why people got away from it, and people. They they they're idiots and shouldn't I and I'm probably guilty of it too of listening too much to it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You can't put a price on comfort comfort. And if Grouffits make comfort comfortable, I'm gonna wear it and I'm gonna keep rocking it. I I'm I'm just gonna roll with this all the way through until I'm dead. Hey dude, you know, and on Monday I thought the lines looked good on their grand grid. The blue helmets I wasn't a fan of. But when they go with the gray pants, gray shirt, and the gray helmet, that's actually a good look for them. I I agree. I do like that. I, like that. I I what I thought what Detroit should have done is I they should have went back to like their early like the the eighties helmet or like what they wore the the helmets they had when Barry Sanders was playing there. I like that. That was nice oh. and clean. It didn't have the uh, the black outline. It was just it was just blue and silver. Yep. 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 No, that that's a that's a good look for you. Um, but I don't know. I just, as I'm mentioning the starter jacket, I'm being a little nostalgic here, and I'm thinking about how sick would that um, would that Charlotte Hornets um, old school um, starter jacket be? 
Like that is just the all-time goat in terms of jackets, if you ask me. Yeah, that uh, I, that that was going to be my next question. Ooh, and it looks like the uh, the Rangers have kind of opened it up a little bit here as we uh, put a bow on the on the show here. Jonah Heim is just singled singled the center field where um, um, Nathan Lowe scores, and uh, he advanced to third. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heim did. And then Young scored as well because there uh, looks like there was a throwing error on Alec Thomas. So three nothing, and we're the uh, the Diamondbacks are going to have their work cut out for them um, if they want to see this series go back to Houston. And if Houston or if, or uh, Texas, excuse Dallas, excuse me. And you know what's crazy is is if, if Tech the Rangers are able to hold this lead, they will go the entire playoffs without losing a game on the road. That's what ten and zero. Yep, ten and all. That's incredible. It's because, yeah, no, two, two, three, three, two, three, four. So, two, so nine, and then three, twelve. It'd be twelve and zero on the road. Well, no, it, it'd be two because they, um, you know, the 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 series against the Rays, they won two there. Yep, they won their two in Baltimore. And then against yep. Houston, you know, Houston game. Um, oh, yeah. Six. Yeah, three against Houston. So we're at um, seven. And then these three in Arizona would get you to 10. Yeah. Incredible. It's incredible. So that's our that's our math on the air. That's a good, good way to end the show. We'll have the segments of the show out on Friday. We'll be back. Next week for episode 103, check us out on all of our social medias, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, X, uh, 3GTV podcast, or the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe there. We'll be posting segments of the show, recaps, all all, all the good stuff here. Keep, uh, keep that content up and going. Um, and with that, we'll talk to you next time.